back, everybody, to episode five. I'm your host, Dan Steers from Double Down Horsemanship. I'm here in the studio with co-host Kim Hagen. G'day, mate. How are you, Kim? Oh, I'm excellent. How are you going? I'm bloody good, mate. We're a couple of rums in. Ooh, loving it. Yep. So rain on the roof. There is a little bit of rain here in Tamworth. <laughs> Don't know if that's going to come through in the audio. But like I mentioned, we're here in the studio and we're back to normal following the Double Dan timeline. And this episode is covering 2010, which is a massive year for the Double Dans. So I've decided to split it into two episodes. And like I was telling you off the mic or when we weren't recording, that I reckon it could almost be three episodes. It's that big. I'm pumped. Yeah. A lot's happened. Like the 2010 is like the, the floodgates opening and it just gets crazy as far as the time is concerned. We, we do a lot for the next few years. Just to mention a few things that we've covered in 2010, it's a year that we spend three months in the States preparing for the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky. We also performed in the Edinburgh Military Tattoo in Sydney in front of 30,000 people for like four nights in a row, which was which was huge. It was also the first time that the Double Dans performed at Equitana under the brand, the Double Dan Horsemanship. We also produced our own equine entertainment show back in Perth. Which which was big. It, it it put a lot. We put a lot into that show. So you headed back over for that. Yeah, we took yeah. horses back there, and then we Pierre and I got married the weekend after. We, when we started getting into that side of things, it, it was just crazy as far as the schedule. Like we're trying to produce our own show, and we've got other acts in the show. Not only are we performing in the show, and it's 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 a big deal over there. But then we're we're heading out and getting like measured for our suits. You know, on one of the days that we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing to midnight, and then getting up in the morning and going back out there. You're a glutton. Yeah, well, I'm glad we were young at the time. So so it was a big, it was a big year. Yeah, did say you've aged a fair bit since. Yeah, I've looked back at the photos. Yeah. So so to get some of this information, you can scroll back on your um, your Facebook and get, get into your posts. So I went back to mine in 2010 and scrolled back through them. So with that, I see a lot of photos. And to say that I've aged a lot is yeah. probably an understatement. Oh, it's horrendous. The mirror's doing it tough, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's horrendous. I'm just like, wasn't that? It's 10 years. Essentially, it's 10 years, but I've aged oh, 20 yeah. or more. Yeah. Hey, look, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It's a, I mean, it's a testament to your marriage, how strong it is, you know, that she could put up with that. I know, because Pierre, <laughs> Pierre looks like really good <laughs> and I look terrible. So oh, well. thanks, Dallin, for yeah. sticking by me. Good girl. What are they, what were your marriage vows? Is like through better or worse, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She she was only really hearing worse. Well, that's all she got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whether she was hearing it or not, that's all she got. But anyway, again, it we've been getting some unreal feedback from our listeners which we appreciate. So keep it coming. I just want to give a special mention before we get Dan James on the line. I I have been getting bombarded with messages from one person in particular who wants a shout out, which I refer to him as the shoe bomber. Yeah, I'm not going to give him his name, but he's going to know who he is. President right? Bush. Yeah, the, 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 shoe, the shoe bomber. And and I said it bombarded before. There was no pun intended oh, with, with that. You like that? So little? sharp. So sharp. Yeah. Well, yep. You're unreal. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Shoe bomber, thanks for tuning in and thanks for sharing. So did Sheila ring James? Yes. Oh, you haven't heard about any of this, I no. guess. Because Yeah, right. So um, again, for obviously the listeners, you would remember an episode, because we've had an extra episode without Dan James. So I've Got to try to think of that. This is episode five. Um, on episode three, Dan James said, "Call me Sheila back, or I'll punch in the throat." Now, now Sheila listens to She's these. Fairly aggressive. Yes, and he and Warwick. <laughs> don't worry, Warwick heard the hostility through the podcast, right? Oh, yeah. 
So straight away, when Warwick's listened to it, he's been messaging me and he goes through his phone, like screenshotting his phone. And he's like, I do not have a missed call from Dan James for all of this year, at least all of this year. He went back to like January the 1st, showed me his phone and there's, and there's nothing. Maybe he just put it on the... Mindfulness. Yeah, well, anyway. And he should have picked it up. No, but this is, Warwick's not saying that he was unaware. Warwick was unaware. So it wasn't coming in through the telephone. It wasn't coming telepathically. It's like a conversation with my kids. It wasn't coming through. <laughs> it wasn't me. Yep. I didn't do it. So he, so then he rings Dan James. Dan James doesn't answer his call. So then Warwick sends me a message about that. <laughs> Wondering if he's being frosty. Ghosted or not. So anyway, cut a long story short, they get onto it. It's all fine. I'm, I'm assuming, it, like I said, Warwick didn't even know that Dan was trying to get a hold of him and it all got sorted out. We, we could even ask Dan once we get him on the line <laughs> how that conversation went down. So that's all good listeners for those of you guys oh, that are tuning I'm so in. relieved. I'm glad this podcast is doing a job, I guess, or, or it's getting out there it's and smoothing help. some wrinkles in the USA. It's helping it out. So anyway, better get Dan Happy James day. on the line. Let, let's see if we can get him on, all right? Battle. All right, we got Dan James on the line. You there, Dan? Yeah, boys. Good morning. Well, good evening. Good evening. So, mate, it's it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded a podcast together. What's been happening over there? It's been bloody cold. It's uh, meant to be like bring start of summer here, and it's uh, I think it's minus five here again this morning. Oh, coming hard enough. It's getting chilly here too. <laughs> Yeah, what's going on? It's, it's the fact that they talk about this global warming and everything else, and now there's like zero emissions pretty much because but nobody's getting about in planes. Terrific. So it's all back to front. We're getting rain over here at least. Yeah, I drove. I went to a job on Thursday two days ago, and I drove out, and usually I'll track his thermometer, and the car concurred. It was one degree. So minus five, one. I don't see much difference. It, yeah, but it's it's unusually cold because it is been a cold start over here as well. And then, but it shouldn't be cold for Dan James. No, shouldn't be cold. Poor fella. He'd be just about ready to yeah, thank about you. the budgies. Thank so what else? What else? Is, come on, give us something. What else have you been doing in lockdown for the last two weeks? Oh, mate, well, we're now the new owners of uh, the kangaroo. Yes, um, I was going to get to that. It's a bit exciting around here and back. Um, I think uh, last time we spoke, um, there was that name was suggested for a, for a foal, but it seems to be more appropriate for the kangaroo. Uh, so he's uh, becoming accustomed very quickly to a lot of people. I'm a little uh, bit suspect. Isabella around like a pup. Yeah, I'm a bit suspect. I've only seen photos of you, Elizabeth, Isabella, and the kangaroo. Have you turned just into a kangaroo. Yeah, I was actually wondering the same thing. <laughs> Jesse's either sleeping a lot. This is a query no, this, of mine. This was my this was my theory. He's either sleeping a lot or he's taking the photos. This is like the greatest thing that can he happen could to taking, a kid. He's he, got his pet kangaroo. He could be taking the photos. Well, uh, could be. Um, well, Jesse, Jesse can do. Uh, want to grab the kangaroo uh, by the tail or by the ears pretty abruptly. <laughs> so the That'd case, be good for its, uh, you know, development. So that's why I'm guessing that Anzac has chosen Isabella as the chosen child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't seem to be much of a choice. All right. I'm going to do things a little bit different. I'm going to ask you boys a question here. If you could have one super power, what would it be? Flying. So, oh, so you're not talking about a character. You're talking about just one no, power. you got to have one power. Yes, I've, I've been asked this question once at a clinic and it actually throws you a little bit and I was like, quick, because you can only decide one and it's exactly not being a, a superhero, like who would you be? It's, it's one power that you could have from any superhero that you would know. So just to interject, if
if it was a superhero you could be, the last person on earth you would be is Batman, isn't it? Like he's I just love a bloke Batman. with yeah, you might love him, but he's just a bloke with gadgets. At the end he, of the day, he is not a superhero. He's rich. He would be the one that I'd probably pick. I mean, is, Superman's probably the, the well, exactly. He's the, the all around. He's the he's the, old, he's yeah. the pentathlon man. He is. But, but Batman's just a I've butthole never, with a bunch of gimmicks in his back pocket. Yeah. So pick, pick it. I've asked you a question. Yeah. Answer it. I said flying. Oh, you quick flying. What about you, James? Oh, mate, I'm still I was still debating. I was hoping you guys were going to fight a little bit longer so it gave me a bit more time. No, come on. You've got to just come that, up with that. It's snap decision, buddy. I mean, and what can we, um, I'm guessing we can't pick, the, can't pick the same as the other person. Yeah, I'd like something. My unique. kids would laugh at the fact that I've said flying because we did set, we did a tree climb up at Coffs Harbour and I nearly crapped myself on the level B. You had A, B, C or D and I got level B. I and hate I, heights I too. dead said hate heights too. But if I could fly and I knew that when the rape broke, because I was certain that the rape would break, you could the way my boys were jumping on the bloody ladders and they were all shaking and the trees were shaking and I was, well, anyway, they would think flying is quite an ironic answer for me. Did right. that give you some more thinking time there? There you go, there you go James. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what was the guy in X-Men and his power was that he could control um, what other people Magneto. wanted to think? Oh, yeah. Wow. He, 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 was, he was a mind dude. Ooh, wow. Ooh, you want to be you yeah. want to be like mega shiller. Controlling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've, this is a bit of is, a disadvantage. Being that you've now had you obviously a long time to think yeah. about this question. Yeah, I've and you've got it all like I've got it ready. Go, go for it. So for me, oh, travel back in time. Now you know why to be able to just time travel. I guess. Yeah, you want to go forward as well. Yeah, you just want to fix your mistakes. You want. No, to go it's not even about mistakes. You know why I thought them. about this? And it's so there's so many things you can do by going back in time. There's so many things, but think about the evolution of horse trainers, right, and horsemanship. So the things like that the reining trainers are doing now, or the cutting trainers are doing now, and all this stuff that's out there. That if you went back into time and you'd only have to go back a short distance, like 30 years, 40 years, maybe even less, and you go and start doing some of the stuff that these horse trainers are doing now that we've been showing, like with turning around a horse or stopping a horse or something like that, imagine the status that you would have. They would be like freak out all of a sudden. Yeah. You might be the great trainer, but when I fly past you, you got, <laughs> you got nothing. <laughs> yeah. And listen, if you go back in time and, and do all that, when you just catch up to the present, I'll just I'll just mind screw exactly. you and tell you that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Dottie would just pick it straight out of your brain. He'd be doing it before you. Yeah. By the way, no, you picked a dud. I would be admitting that it was no, him that did it. you picked a dud. Pick, nah, I'm We've just assumed you both. You know why? I could also become rich off it. Like, imagine I'd scare bed. the shit out of your horse by flying past it real close. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine like you could go back, win lotto, betting, all of that stuff. So I've got all the money in the world. I'm just going to go around. And you need to go forward in time to win lotto. No, you don't. Well, you're not going to go backwards and get the old, what are you no, going to find? I'm going to know the numbers. So then yeah, you got to go forward to know the numbers. It's the opposite, mate. I'm in the time now. So all i got to do, because I can travel back, I, I know what lotto, I know what the lotto numbers are now that wins. So I just go back before the lotto was drawn and buy those numbers. Which is the future. God, you, this is back to the future. You're going backwards, not forwards. You're going backwards. You can't pre-win the lotto. You got to post-win it. So okay, so you can you can influence the past. How many rums did you have? You two had. <laughs> I've, had a, oh, I've had a few. I don't you know can, about him. You can influence the past. That was D 
different. See, I was just picturing you going back and viewing the past. Oh, no, I'm influencing. I can go back and live in the past. Yeah, but you, yeah see, that's different. Because I just that, told that sounds you. Like two, that sounds like two powers. No, it's not Forward and back. Exactly. Well, that's what I said, time travel. I, ref, I, <laughs> I turned it to time travel because it's like back to the future. They go backwards and forwards. But I'm going back in the fact that I'm going to hang out. Imagine hanging out with like all these, like Al Dunning or any of these guys that, you know, we talked about uh, Craig Johnson. <laughs> and all Al Dunning's still alive. I know, but I'm not talking. Alive. I'm not talking about them needing to be dead, but you're talking about them being young trainers is what I was talk- going to get to. But they probably know more now than they do then. I know, but I'm going to go and impress point. them. I'm going to go and impress them. <laughs> this is backfired horribly. Moving on. Still going to scare the shit out of your horse. My, my horses are trained to drones. They'll be fine. Not what I've got planned for them. <laughs> okay. I won't tell you what I said in the clinic. The clinic one when I got put to, to it, I'm not going to tell you what I said. Yeah, no. You can't say no, that. Can't I'm, I'm going to say it and that you asked me at a later date and I might bring it back. Because oh, I'm using my superpower right now. <laughs> my superpower right now to influence you. James, you've been using this power of me way before then. Don't have me fly around this way room. Way before today. You've been using, <laughs> you've been you've been mind effing me for a long time and I, this, uh, um, going reviewing this podcast, we're starting to see it. Talking about Warwick Schiller again, we, I had to say that he said about the being having your fireworks strapped to my back and laughing about that and I, and I and I posted back to his comment that um, I'm like as we're going through this podcast I'm realizing Dan James has talked me into a lot of stuff that's how it is I, I feel it goes a little bit both ways though uh, well I didn't ask you to ride that motorbike backwards but you did ask me to ride a <laughs> unicycle downstairs I didn't ask you to put fireworks on your back but you did ask me to do it I, I agreed on our behalf as a team he did it too you big soup yeah I'm not saying that I'm just saying <laughs> who talked who into what <laughs> all right all right all right let's get into 2010. What would you do, Pierre? In the in the clinic? No, I'm not going to tell yeah. you. I'm not going to tell you. You've just got now. to tell us. You can't say, "Oh, that was, was, was the greatest story." <laughs> no. I won't tell you. It's not the greatest story. It doesn't it's not great. That's the thing. I got told. All right, all right, fine. It's embarrassing, <laughs> but I've got to put some dirt. So anyway, and and James is going to laugh at this because he knows um, my music genre. So we're at a clinic. We're in a campfire. I was here at home actually, and someone just out of the blues like said, oh, "If you could have you one, to be a rapper." Yeah. So yeah. said, "If you could have one super, <laughs> you know, superpower." That's not a superpower. That's superhero just... power. Yeah. No, but I said I'd like to be like just exactly just like be a, Eminem be the, on steroids. I want to yeah exactly be the best rapper in the world that I could just come up with these raps, and that was the whole reason. Because for those listeners that probably don't know this, I I, I do I do like the rap genre. <laughs> the shit is superpower. <laughs> that's what I told you. <laughs> Embarrassing because you imagine somebody kind of stuck there in the they're in the bus that's halfway falling off the bridge and they think, God, I wish there was a bloke around here who could cut some rhymes out here, really sort the problem. Don't worry, it's super rapid steers. So as you as you're kind of teetering on the edge, yo, we're in a bus with a problem. I'll solve it. My, my raps would be way better than me. I'm gonna be the world's oh, best course. rapper. That'd be outstanding. But it's only because I just wanted to hang out with Eminem, 50 Cent, Dr. Trey and feel like they would want to hang out with me as well. Go to the local I jail. told you I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm actually crying. I mean, even with even with my superpower being able to influence you, which clearly it does work, um, I'm, I'm still shocked at the result on that question. I told you, he's now softened you like like a bloody hot spoon. He just bent over. <laughs> now you now you guys are thinking less of me. All right, let's move on. I'm trying to move this on. So we're going to. Talk- what did you just hold on? What, what was the rest? <laughs> what was the response from the from the, the person that asked? Well, it was an and, excellent and the other question. Where they were like, "What?" Well, no, we had a pretty good we had a pretty good group, and everyone was pretty lickered up. And I'm pretty sure, and she, and Ash Barnett, you know Ash, who's been to Equitana with us, and she listens to this podcast, so she'd be able to clarify. I'm pretty sure she asked the question, and and when I explained it, I mean, they didn't laugh at me like you two pair did, and then I changed it. So the they'll lick day, it up and respectful. Yeah, and the next day. I think I explained it pretty well why, but the next day I did change my mind and I told him what my new one would be. And I'm not going to mention that at all because this one didn't go down too well and I've been trying to move on. Let's move on. So this, you've got another one between your now one and yeah. your... <laughs> yeah, a lot of time. Come on. I've had a lot of time to think about it. Nope. Okay. <sighs> Let's get into it for Episode the fifth six. Sorry, Kim, I'll, 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 I'll start from back here. I'll, I'll, I'll just be starting to influence him exactly. and we'll get it out. Exactly. Exactly. Don't worry. You can't influence me while I'm editing this. So Mind the hell us, out of him. All of a sudden, it's uh, edited out and we're just going to go into this part. Let's get into 2010 as it's a massive year. Firstly, the biggest show we've ever been a part of was certainly the World Equestrian Games. And that's where I want to get started, even though that it's towards the back end of that year. The reason why I'm just going to start here for, for a moment was that Dan James was responsible for getting us that gig. And I know that it involves him going over and I, I believe in 2008 to visit Clay Meyer to help him with the Frisians, and that's where it all started. Am I right? 2008 was um, I, th- I think I went came across to help Nikki with her horses, and it was 2009 that uh, I went back over here to Kentucky to um, help Clay. So in 2008, in 2008, you went to because that's where I couldn't quite when I was writing this down. So two th- I knew the Nikki thing, but I, I didn't know which one came first. So the 2008, you went over t- to NFR. Is that right? In Vegas? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you work with Nikki Flundra and she was trick riding for those shows, but she wanted to get into the Liberty performance? Correct. And so you work with her horses and then, but you must have, did you, you, so at that point you didn't have an inkling about WEG at all? No, I didn't. No. No, no, you're right. That's how, that's kind of, yeah, pretty much like we did uh, NFR, uh, Nikki's husband, Dustin rode there, rode Bronx there. And then from there, we went to uh, to Texas to um, a friend a friend's place of theirs for a while, and then to Punk Carter, and that's where we uh, we we trained up both those horses because we did. Um, then we went on to do uh, Fort Worth Dock Show. Nikki had the Specialty Act contract there, and uh, she we was under the if it, you know in the in the scheme of things of like two horses that had we literally started from scratch um, through to the time of the rodeo of Fort Worth. It was a yeah, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, that is because like for those of nine, we're talking about from December to January, so you're only looking at probably six or so weeks. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then a part of that, obviously, you're returning because this goes backwards in the timeline. That's why I only wanted to just start with this so that the listeners could get on board as well as myself. So then how did you get involved with Clay? Like, where's the Clay thing? You're saying 2009. And again, for the listeners, Clay Meyer uh, is a performer with with Frisians where he rides and drives, gets up in some crazy get up. I wish if I get, get the opportunity, I'll put some stuff up on the socials about that. White jodhpurs. Nah, black actually. <clears throat> 
but some crazy, crazy gear all the yeah. same. And he's a cool dude. Don't worry about that. Um, so h- how did you get involved then with Clay in 2009? So the the connection there is um, so Riata and Cowboy Girls they're out in California um, with Jennifer Welsh Nicholson. So they came across, remember, to the show um, there in Perth. So I met them there, and Clay's dad was the founder of Riata Ranch. So that was how the connection came about. And I guess um, Jennifer and and Clay had been talking, and Clay was kind of looking at trying to you know, bring some new stuff into his own show that he was doing at the time and reached out and uh, we set it up to, to come across. So so you set it up with them. Clay, and again, we've got to get this part sort of figured out before we get too deep into the other stuff. So Clay was at the Horse Park in Kentucky and then he took a role. Uh, correct. Then he took a role uh, for the World Equestrian Games to put together their entertainment opening ceremony as well as the, I guess, clinicians that were educating during the show. So you went over there in 2009 knowing that or did you know that after you landed there? No, I only found out about that while I was there with Clay. And then you saw an opportunity. And uh, he said, look, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure if this is going to come together, but, you know, look, you know, I think it would be really good if we could, if it did, um, and that if you boys would, you know, come across to be a part of the, you know, World Equestrian Games. So, and I didn't really probably know what exactly all that meant at the time, um, you know, in terms of like what that would be, because it was literally just one conversation and then, and then it sort of, you know, continued to grow from there. So you didn't have the same kind of moment that Steer stuffed up earlier in your careers where he kind of said, no, I'm way too busy for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, he was yeah. he was World Equestrian Games. Oh, yeah, uh, got a fair bit on. I'm rapping. Yeah, I got a fair bit on. I'm coming up with magical raps, saving the world. <laughs> Thanks, special <laughs> comments. There's your nickname. All special comments over there. No, I uh, I just think that again shows you Dan's foresight in knowing oh, yeah. that knowing that there was an opportunity because that's why it's a bit shady, even with my memory that that Dan's Dan's telling me that there's this opportunity that might happen, like for ages. We weren't confirmed. We were hoping and, and Dan was doing, and it's all on Dan's side, like as much as I was involved in the show once we got there, but that that getting us that gig, organising it was all on Dan James. He knew it was a big deal. He knew he wanted to be a part of it. And it was a, for a long time, it was, a, it was a possibility, maybe a strong possibility, but it wasn't confirmed till quite late, but it really shaped 2010. That's why I had to almost go, like, because the World of Christian Games wasn't until like September, maybe even October. Um, but we had to. Yeah, it was, it was it was September here for sure. I th- yeah, I think for your last one there, but I actually think it's later, and I'll tell you why I think it's later. It's in October when we did it was because we rushed when we got back. We only had a short amount of time between the getting back and and Equitana, and I know that when you did, wedding, yeah, it went it went. It was the the end of September, um, and just I think into the first maybe couple of days of October because you guys went up to Quarter Horse Congress. That's right, <laughs> right after. I did. Yeah, but yeah. I missed all the fun stuff. When we went up to Congress. We didn't, we didn't see your um, the freestyle raining or anything like that. It was what it was towards the back end of Congress. So I don't know when Congress normally wraps up. But anyway, without, that, be, without being derogatory to you guys, that must have been a big thing for the World Equestrian Games to take on a couple of guys from Australia. Well, that was we wouldn't have got the gig unless it without was for the American contact. Without exactly yeah. without Dan James doing what he 
he did with Clay and then getting, showing yeah. Clay w- what he's, you know, able to do and and then obviously getting in his ear. Absolutely not because when we were a part of that show, and we're going to cover that show later in the podcast, which won't even be this episode, we already split this episode up, um, but we were educating with Clinton Anderson, Pat Pirelli, John Lyons, I mean, and and they only had these four-day blocks for some people and it's a 16-day 16 sh- 16 show. So we got all 16 days and, and the only yeah, other right. people that got the 16 was the Clinton Anderson, was Pat Pirelli and and, and Josh uh, John Lyons, sorry, um, got those days and, and that was again from from Dan. So we got in front of thousands of people every day. Um, but but we'll get we'll get back to that. We're gonna we're gonna go back now to the start of 2010. So I apologize to the listeners how we're flipping backwards and forwards, but it'll all, all make sense. So we're quite established now on the East Coast. We're doing lots of agriculture shows and different bits and pieces, as well as obviously Dan's working on the World Equestrian Games in the background. And at the start of the year, and 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 I was talking to Kim before Dan and, and you didn't you went on the line, but you can go back through Facebook and check out your timeline. So I used this to sort of see what was the standout stuff for 2010. Well, I and thought the, you'd just go back in time and check it out. Yeah, if I had my superpower. <laughs> Good on you, Kim. Hey, old special comments Facebook. over there. Yep. <laughs> so I use Facebook because I don't have my powers. And uh, and the, one of the first shows that we did for 2010, and Dan was over in the state. So this is while he was there um, doing the the stock show, the um, Fort Worth stock show, that uh, Dan's girlfriend at the time, Kristen, and I did the Edinburgh Military Tattoo, which was performed at the oh, a- yeah. yeah, which was performed at the ANZ Stadium in front of 30,000 people. I think we did it for four nights, plus it was about, I think it was three or so nights of um, rehearsal. It was it was a massive production. And so at that point, it was it was pretty cool to be a part of such a big show down there. And they only travel that um, show, I think it's like the Olympics every four years, they, they move that show around. So it was a big deal to be a part of it. And what they wanted was two falling horses, like two horses to lay down as they were doing a tribute to the fallen soldiers and their horses. And they th- had a 300-piece band playing. Yeah, wow. And then they had these um, police horses. Presumably with bagpipes, etc. Yeah, exactly. And the drums and everything else yeah. and the big stage. And you had to then go between, like it was like a, a guard of honour with the police horses. We had to ride between those two horses, uh, sorry, but ride our two horses between the guard of honour. And then when we got in front of, of everybody, in front of the stage, in front of the horses, then we had to lay the horses down and they would be laying flat for three minutes wow. for four nights in a row. And on one of the nights it even rained. So it's raining on these horses while they're laying down. So it was a fair bit of pressure. But there's a couple of stories that, that I did remember once I, I saw um, those photos. And, and one of them was that I had injured my ankle quite badly a few weeks prior to this. Reverse motorbike? No, no, it wasn't actually. It was a horse. This What's one, wrong with you? This one was actually a horse injury. injury, And I popped the ligaments off, off my ankle. And I wasn't going to miss this gig, but I, I wasn't able to. How really- did you do that again? I don't even remember how you did that. So I was, I, was, I was over in WA and it was around that Christmas time. And I was helping some friends over there. We had to trim a foal, which needed some corrective trimming, but it was a big foal. <laughs> and uh, anyway, you got when when we lay them down and they're unhandled, we sort of have a person on the front end, a first person on the back end. And the guy that I had helping me, you, you gently cradle them all the way to the ground. Once it started to sort of tip over, he just sort of like stepped out of the way. 
and then the I'll step back on top of me and I just sort of bent over my own ankle and I heard, I thought I broke my leg because I heard a, a, a noise, but end up finding out because I, I went to hospital that it wasn't a, it wasn't a crack. It was a pop and the pop was the ligaments coming off the end of the bone. So you would have been in the States at that time, James. And then, then I've gone across back to the East and we've taken these horses there. But when we're doing the um, rehearsal <clears throat> in front of the um, director uh, on the first day, initially we're supposed to go in there, ride the horses. And then from us sitting on them, the horses were to lay down, but I couldn't twist my leg. So when the horse, when double image laid down, I couldn't actually get my leg out. And so he laid down on top of me and I just like fell to the ground <laughs> and he's on my leg. And it just obviously looks extremely graceful. And I'm yeah, like, no, no, balanced athlete. no, no, I can do that again. Yeah. It's all right. Just, that's just the first one. I've got this. I've got this. So, all right, the director's watching. So we do it again and it happens three times in a row. I can't get out from underneath this horse and I, he's, I'm just landing on the ground next to that hurt? I can't step off. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this right. I'm not been missing out on this gig. So the director says, uh, maybe, maybe we'll just dismount first. Maybe dismount. Yeah, that would look better. I think dismount, then lay the horse down. Because he was trying to think it was like a falling horse. And I'm like, yeah, that would be easier. But I couldn't even take my foot out of the stirrup. What I'd have to do is ride there, lean over, take like physically take my foot out of the stirrup with my hand, and then I could step up for jump off the horse and then lay him down. And then we'd, we'd, we'd sort of um, be in a salute position with the horse while it was laying down for the three minutes. And then they had soldiers go down like the aisles with the like with with a candle, and then they would all come onto the um, oval and all meet up in front of these horses. Like it was three minutes is a long time to yeah. have a horse laying down. And like I said, on one night it actually rained, and that was really hard because so you're laying them down on sand or grass. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just the grass, like where they play the yep. rugby. Yeah, the, uh, and that over there. So that was one of the stories that I remembered. Then the second story that I remembered was because we were a horse act, they threw us in with the police horses, and they said, "Look, the, these guys when we we would drive in and out from Heath and Chris's place, and <clears throat> we'd go to the mounted the Mounties, and we would saddle up there. They weren't too far away, and we'd ride the streets with them, and then we'd do our rehearsals and the show and whatever else, and ride back with them. And that's where our float would be, and then we'd get in the car and the float, and then go back to Heath. We weren't getting home till like midnight, one o'clock. It was it was it was big painful day being a part of it. And we had to, the police said, you know, because <clears throat> you're riding with us, you know, you've got to do the whole thing. So we're riding in um, in order or whatever you call it. And then, you know, we had to do all the police stuff, you know, turn hurt, all that sort of stuff. And one day they've got all the horses, we're all lined up and I'm starting to talk to a couple of these coppers and I get distracted and double image sniffs one of the other horses. And then all of a sudden he squeals out like, because he's a stallion. And when he squeals out, I grab him in the bridle and I check him in the bridle and I check him with my feet and I give him a little reprimand and the big sergeant, the lady that's in charge of everything, pulls me aside and tells me, you can't do that. We've got the RSPCA, you know, looking at us, you know, and I just let <laughs> rip. And because they had this, I was already just fed up with the men away and you know what I'm like, probably James listening to rules and following the rules. And they had this heavy horse that they did the drums on. You're just busting for listen, an opportunity listen, to be a just, brat, weren't you? No, but listen, so they had this heavy horse that's they're doing the drums on, yeah. but it's lame and it would walk around and it was just, but all I had to do once it got out there was stand there yeah. and they'd beat these drums on. And I asked why was that earlier? I asked why that horse was there. And they said, well, they've got no other horse that can do 
and it's like clearly lame. So why she's given me this little serve, I'm uh, by myself, she's given to me, but the others can see. She's singled me out, but sort of tried to be quiet about it. I just let rip and I said, you know what cruel is? Because she was trying to say what I did was cruel. So you know what cruel is? And I, and that horse was just walking past. I said, that horse, that's cruel. You guys make You would have used more language than that too. Yeah. And I just give it to her, right? <laughs> and I just basically said she didn't obviously have any authority over me. And, and I said, you didn't know it was a stallion. Nobody knew this horse was a stallion for the last four days. And just one time I got distracted and I didn't, and I said, you know, as much as it was, it was my fault for getting distracted, yeah. but I couldn't let it happen. Oh, exactly. That I, that I did what I did. And I said, no, I'll do it again. Anyway, so she just walked away. Where all, I didn't realize until that point, most of the other troopers or whatever you call them, most of the other coppers did not like her. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I went to a whole new pedestal. <laughs> all the cops are just like, you're the man. They nice. just, oh yeah, they love me. Especially a couple of dudes that, that worked there. They were just like, oh, that was awesome. And they just got to watch watch it and just appreciate it. The and dudes was, in blue choppers. <clears throat> so then after that, I just, I didn't, we didn't um, park the car back there. We just, we just made our own spot. And Chris and I, as soon as the show was finished, <laughs> we were beating the the punters, the spectators. We were, we were just trotting past them like they were all leaving the ANZ Stadium while the cops would have to wait, line up and then go on the road. We were just like zigzagging through the SCG, <laughs> just like mowing people over, loading up, just parking in the bus spot, <laughs> putting the horses on and we're getting back to Heath's by 11. 30. We all of a sudden we saved ourselves like an hour and a half. Happy days. So they, they were the two um, stories that I had out of out of that whole that whole deal. But it was it was still a, a show that, like looking back, was was pretty cool to be a part of. I got in trouble for ghosting the um, police. They were doing a warm up at um, Sydney Royal underneath the cover there, and um, then they went out in the Schultz Arena and did their proper stuff. And I got in trouble for ghosting them with my horse. So you just wanted to be a part of them? No, I just wanted to be a smartass. I just tagged in behind them like I wasn't there. <laughs> and just followed them around. Eventually they said, you, stop it. I've got so a s- I didn't think you noticed me. I thought I was pretty subtle. They <laughs> didn't have a sense of humour though. They told me to get stuffed. Yeah, they're pretty In very policey ways. They're pretty serious. They're pretty convincing too. The old Mallies, they're pretty serious. But anyway, um, if I all of a sudden get a fair few speeding fines and parking tickets, I'll know that they are listening to yeah. the podcast. <laughs> so thanks, guys. But uh, another big show, Dan, moving on from the military tattoo was the man from Snowy River. We did that for the first time in 2010. And then Kim and I actually went back there last year and performed. So they they did actually get us back, unlike Sydney Royal. We, we must not have disgraced ourselves wow. um, too badly, Dan and I. But when I look back at these photos, so I've, I've noticed the photos going back through the old Facebook, our fashion at the time was pretty, we moved on from the white shirts and I had this horrendous rodeo sort of floral brown number that was that <laughs> a I'm, puffy shirt no nah, it wasn't puffy but it was it was bad I'll, I'll put some photos up there on socials because I found them and Dan James had the white shirt but you had the brown leather vest do you remember that Dan <laughs> Oh yeah, I know where this going to Aladdin Fest. Well, you remember it better than I do. I think I, I, I ended up in the show looking at Dan and going, it's, "It looks like Aladdin," <laughs> and I turned the whole <laughs> crowd monkey. I turned the whole crowd at at the um at the show at the man from Snow man from Snow River show, and I had the whole crowd calling him Aladdin at the time. And, and then I don't remember ever seeing that vest again. Is that right, Dan? Yeah, I don't remember it appearing after it getting so uh, tortured. No. <laughs> but I think you put it in a box. I actually think when we moved, I saw it in a box of memorabilia that um, that was storing for Dan James. For, for one, I don't know why we're storing it, but we've got some memor- 
memorabilia for Dan James. And I think that vest might live in that box. But it sort of, when I looked at it, I thought, you know, Dan James has been a trendsetter from back in 2010 and some are hit and misses, but, but sometimes, I mean, when you look at his fashion, he's certainly way in front of the curve than I am. Obviously, his penchant for uh, Jodhpur's well, has uh, been surpassed yeah, by his Aladdin's vest. He also, he also had that yellow leather jacket that um, I think you had it when the first time you met Elizabeth. So if Elizabeth listens to the podcast, she might remember the jacket because it was at the uh, road to the horse that you were wearing that jacket. A yellow or beige? Probably beige. It, it, it certainly wasn't yellow. Was yellow. Tan. Nah, I've been yeah. picturing, picturing banana man. Nah, here. sorry. I've, I've bloody, I've stitched you up there and I don't even mean to. You're right, James. It was not yellow. It was like a tan colour. Is that better? Yeah. The leather <laughs> Back in the vicinity of most other jackets. It was shiny though. It wasn't, didn't have any patterns or anything. Was, <laughs> I'll be able to maybe find it. didn't a, have any tassels or anything like no, that. No tassels. But anyway, the only reason I thought this was funny, because at 2000 and, so when was that 2013? And we did, I did Road to the Horse. I competed that year. And I had like one of the quietest cults you can get for that deal. He was one of the nicest horses. It was actually Road to the Horse just posted a photo of the same horse that I started being the lead horse, a, a clerk of the course horse in Kentucky. And he's just, he just looks magnificent. All right. And they just reckon he's bomb proof. He, he's that good. So I'm doing this show and Tootie has the craziest obstacles ever at that point. You know, and they're just loud and every other horse is spooking. This horse just goes, marches through every obstacle, cool as a cucumber. For my finale and you do your freestyle, I wanted Dan James to bring me out two stock whips and I was going to stand on his back and crack the two stock whips. Not only did I do that, I did that on a on a, a teeter-totter. Is that what they call them over in America? Teeter-totter. Teeter-totter. Yeah. A seesaw. I had him on a seesaw, stood on his back and cracked these two whips. But when Dan was approaching him with the jacket, the horse was shying. The first time ever in the world this horse shied. And I'm pretty sure in at Road to the Horse, it's on video, I'm like, he shied at your queer jacket. I called it a queer jacket. And Big word in the US. And I, well, I got some laughs. <laughs> Tell you what, I got a reaction from the crowd. Um, and, and he was wearing that jacket. And it's just another little deal, you know, that that Dan and his fashion. And I'm thinking like, where, where's this stuff come from? Like Ahead of I, his time, nearly brought you unstuck in the finals. Yeah, it was all good. It was laughable and it didn't, it, it, it was all, it was it probably, yeah, it, it was no big deal in the end. Um, but I just sort of, I think back at these moments in these shows and like I'm saying, this get up, these clothes, it's got to come from somewhere. Like where is it? I'm going to get Dan, at one point, I'm going to call your mum and get your mum on the show. I'm going to ask her, where's this? Oh, that'll be that'll be interesting. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things I've already thought about and I want to ask your mum and one of them will be, has he ever had this thing with clothes? Are you trying to like, you're suggesting that he's like kind of been dressing dolls for years and his no, mum's going to bust it open on a, on a podcast <laughs> and it'll all be revealed. No, none at all. I'm just, I'm, Actually, genuinely, Blake just might just be fashion conscious, unlike you and your brown floral shirt. Exactly, and I just wanted like, to get. I just thought I'd use. Where you've fallen down, he shines. I just wanted to use this medium, the podcast medium, to find out a little more. And Dan's not giving me nothing, so I'm going to move straight on because 2010 was a big year for many things. 2010, I got my first iPhone. I noticed that on Facebook. I was pretty proud of it. All of a sudden, my whole Facebook feed starts lighting up after I got my phone. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm using it and I'm loving it, and I'm mentioning that I'm loving it. 
Do you guys remember when you got your first iPhones? Well, more to the point, I, I'm kind of going with the the whole, um, you know, the techno phones as they are now, as opposed to the ones that you could send messages with and had a few games of cards or something on them. Snake. Did you resist the urge to go to a... I did. Yeah, and then you embraced it in 2010 yep. and never looked back. Yeah, I don't know. I can't even See, tell I you. I resisted even... it for a long time. I was I don't... like, bloody technology, I, I need this. I literally had a dream last night, this, just after you mentioned that, I literally had a dream last night about we were hanging out somewhere, I think it was back at your place in, in, in Australia, and you were showing me your brand, this brand new phone and how excited you were about it and how good of photos it was and it had wireless charging, but it was like the size of a brick and you called it an iPhone, but it was a Samsung. I'm serious. I, I don't know, this random, I don't is, know why I would mean that. That is, there you go. That is random, but but that's my genuine question. You guys, do you remember when you got your first iPhone? Because I think I, I don't know when you got yours, James. Do you remember? I actually don't. I think I might have got given one. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting thing because you think now, like iPhones or, or whether it's a Samsung or, or anything else, but, but got, these smartphones. We, the smartphones have got to a point that you couldn't ignore them anymore. Like from a business point of view, you needed to be in touch with, you know, not necessarily social media, but a lot of businesses benefit from social media. But you do your banking, you do your internet, everything comes through it now. So do you remember you, when you, you got your first one? No. It's like, it's just, I just thought it was. I could ballpark it, but I mean, again, I resisted it for a long time because I thought, you know, I don't want to spend hours on the phone. Well, listeners, now you do. Listeners, I want you guys to think, when, when did you get your first? It's it's such a thing nowadays and it's a huge problem. Like it drives me nuts sometimes seeing how much people are on their on their phones and, and myself included. I know that I'm. Imagine being in the city, going on the buses and trains and even walking up and down the streets. You'd be bashing into people all the time, everybody on their phones. They are. And it comes here with when I have work experience or staff. That's why um, you ride horses. Yeah. You, the, but, the horse will steer for you. Yeah. Well, I'm not on my phone when I'm riding, <laughs> but I'm but I'm just, I'm you know, it's something that you just notice now is just so normal. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Like it's so normal to have these iPhones or these types of phones. And I'll keep using the brand, but that's what we all have. And to see them out there and 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 have everybody using them. And then I'm like, but actually 2010, if that's my first one, well, that's life was before that was no iPhones. And you could imagine for 2011, 2012, probably I'm not really, we're not using them to their full capability like we see they have been used now. Like email, even myself, I mean, I love them for emailing. It's such a great tool to be able to just go, oh, that's right. I forgot to email that person. Just bang, get on the iPhone, get it done. So you don't have to go and fire up the old computer and do it that way. But back then we weren't we weren't really using them. That's where the whole technology side of things really starts changing because also when we're going out and about, people are filming you on these types of phones. That's but, the worst part. But, but for better or for worse, Kim, because you can look at it as a bad way and go, well, we don't want people videoing some of this stuff. But at the same time, for Dan and I, that's what launched us. Like our social media really took off from 2011 onwards. Like I'm going back into time. And, and when we were in 2010, we had a few thousand people following us. By 2011, we had like tens of thousands of people. Now we've got a few hundred thousand people following us. Yeah, that's good from a business point of view. But then you think about it from our kids' point of view, it's not good. That, that's what I mean. So we've got this whole stuff. Your job interview started when they were born, really. And like you, and you, their whole life gets put on social media. On you, social media and then just, you know. And you got to explain. You're getting, a little, you're getting a little deep there, Kim. Right. It's just frightening. Yeah, yeah. So I just sort of, when I look back, I threw that question in there and I was hoping you guys would say, yeah, actually, I got my phone in 2010 or I got my phone 
and 2011 or however it is, but neither of I'm you I'm pretty sure that you had yours. I'm pretty sure you well and truly had the first one or two iPhones before ever I got one. Yeah, I sort of think that too, James. I think that it was, uh, I remember getting it now that I saw it on there. I was flying back to Perth and I went to the, I needed a new phone. I was due for a new phone and I'm, and people had been talking about because it, it was the, I got the number three one, iPhone three and whatever we're up to now. It's like, um, but it was the third one and uh, there was a Telstra shop at the Sydney airport and I got it there and then I flew to Perth and I sort of, and then all of a sudden, like I said, my whole Facebook changes yeah. from there, that moment because now I'm putting some photos on there and I'm obviously got better access because my previous phone certainly wasn't hooking up to, to Facebook. We'll get back to the horses. Also in 2010, we went to the NCHA Futurity for the second time. So we, we did the first show, which we talked about. Now we've gone back there the second time and I just wanted to ask Dan a little bit about this. If you remember, James, in 2009, I said that I want to go back in 2000, the next year, in 2010, and I wanted to have Double Image work the flag by himself. Do you remember that? Oh, for sure. So then we got we we got onto the cow cutter and Greg hooked us up, gave me the mechanical cow, and then I started trying to train for it, which was a lot harder, um, you know, especially pioneering it. Now, if I had to set up another horse to work the flag, I've got some idea. But to get Double Image to work that certainly was a bigger deal than I anticipated. And at times I thought I was wrecking him. I thought that I was losing some of my other liberty to try to teach this this horse to work the flag. And then when I look back, because there's videos, when I went back through the Facebook, there's there's a whole video of the um, of the act, James. And in that act, so I, I did get Double Image to work the flag by himself and he'd run out and then start working that flag. And I, I was so stressed, not only that it was, because we only, only just got a handle on that before um, we went up there and I committed us to doing it and I was so stressed about it and how we're going to work it into the act was Dan was riding Ari bareback and bridleless on the flag. It's almost like the Dan and Dan I talked about it in, in a couple of um, podcasts bef- before this one that, um, you know, Dan would always start by riding his horse and then double image would run out. And so he rode Ari on the flag, bare, bareback and bridleless, cutting it out. Then he finished, then uh, um, double image ran out. Then he worked the flag without anybody on him. And I rewatched this video and I'm like, that is huge. Like what we did back then, I mean, that was a big deal. Like Ari wasn't a trained cutting horse, but even for some of these trained cutting horses and their riders to ride on a flag with no saddle, no bridle, we'd all watch that and go, that's cool. Mm. But Dan's done it without, with just training him himself to be, you know, like we talked about again in previous podcasts, uh, a bit of a camp drafter and whatever else. When you watch the the video, it, it's pretty good. Old Ari, I think, would have cut it as a cutter. No pun intended there either, Kimbo. Oh, come. I know, I'm just throwing them out there today. And when we when I look back at that sort of show, I sort of think that was probably a big deal. What What do you remember about that, James? I remember that a couple of things. One, I remember how nervous you were about doing it, as you, as you just mentioned, but also remember how excited you were about not having to ride uh, double image with no mane and uh, being uh, bareback. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get, I couldn't, I couldn't get away. You did enjoy yeah, getting around that one. But you remember, you've ridden double image bareback and bridleless as well because you always, you wouldn't agree when I said he's hard. Oh, he's right. as slick as a cat. And then he's got no wither on him. He likes lowering his head and you're just going to slide straight over the handlebars. He's he's a shock. And then he, he learnt that too because once he figured out that, oh, you don't ride me quite the same without a saddle and bridle, he just uses that more and more on that. But but going back, also, James, if you remember, in 2010 at that NCHA Futurity, you, you competed in the Stockman's Challenge. 
And in that Stockman's Challenge, um, and I don't know if you were at that show, Kim, because you would have been living up here at that time, that um, it's a bit different. Yes, yes, I do remember this. All of a sudden, Kim's come alive. Boom. Boom, he's here. Sorry. So the year before, in 2009, I'm going to Pretend I'm not speaking. In 2009, (laughs) the year before, so what it was was Dan and I, and a lot of these shows, they can't give you a specific time when you're going to be on. They're just like, you got to be in between this and this, you're going to perform. So we were performing the year before during the, they had as entertainment, it wasn't a part of a competition at the Cutting Horse for Nationals or the Futurities. It was uh, a part of the entertainment. They had this Stockman's Challenge. It was the first time that they did it in 2009. And you had to, they did the Catch the Brumby deal. And we were going on after the Brumby catch, but we're behind the gates and Dan was sitting on um, Ari and, and I was hanging out the gate because Pierre probably had double image. And I was looking through the, the little panels of the gate and we could hear the crowd. And Dan's like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And what it was, was John Mitchell, like the, the cutting horse legend of Australia, who's, who's based in Fort Worth. Um, he was competing as a bit of a novelty and he had caught, and he had a borrowed horse. He'd caught the Brumby and he was threatening to get on this Brumby. He's rubbing his leg on it and everything else. And the crowd is egging him on, egging him on. And James is like, what is he doing? What is he doing? And I'm telling him, I'm just giving him like a blow by blow as I'm watching it. And then eventually he's gone from his ridden horse and he's stepped onto his Brumby. So for the listeners, we're talking about proper Brumbies. He dead set rode it for a while. No, it was, he got- Mustang. He got bucked off. No, the first guy got bucked off quick. Oh, okay. Mustang for the American- I no, pretty good. I'll tell you that, Kim, just hang on, Kim. Sorry. Jeez, you're always cutting in. Sorry. If you could go back in time, you'd fix that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Turn your mic off. <laughs> and, and rap about it. <laughs> well, I'd have to have two super power heroes, but anyway, getting back to it. So he gets on, as soon as he gets his leg either side, this is how I remember, he gets bucked off, bang. But the crowd loved it so much that um, the next year they made it a part of the competition and they gave 100 points. So you, there was no way that the winner would not have gotten on their yeah, Brumby. Yeah, like yeah. You, you weren't going to be 100 points in front of the second fella yeah. who got on their Brumby. So you, everyone had to. If you wanted to win, you were going to have to get on your Brumby. And a part of this competition, again, for the listeners, was they had to ride a bronc, they had to catch a Brumby, they had to um, do a whip crack where they got targets, you know, moving targets at speed. Um, they did a, a, a jumping phase of it as well. It was an altered man from Snow River. It was altered. So anyway, this 2010, Dan James is in the competition. Now he gets bucked off his bronc quick. Like he is, for, for, for the listeners out there and James, you'll remember this when you got, when you rode your bronc in the state, somebody filmed it and they called it Dan James flying. So if you're listening out there, just YouTube Dan James flying. It's my skill. Because you have to replay it about six times to actually see. He almost gets bucked off in the chute. <laughs> so Dan James rides, rides a bronc as, as good as I do. And he, he gets bucked off quick. But when it comes to the Brumby catch, he's elite. So, so Dan catches, the Brumby on Ari. You're riding Ari at that this year as a stud and he catches yeah. his Brumby and I mean that like he's he's got this thing broke. He's got it so broke that it's leading alongside his horse. He's walking around with it and they give you a 30 second sort of warning that 30 seconds you got in your last 30 seconds but Dan had previous to the 30 seconds he had this Brumby just walking alongside of him and he was just going to slip over and just hop on it but all of a sudden this horse lights up and starts cantering and so Ari's cantering so side by side, and now Dan's under pressure because <laughs> if you go past the 30 seconds, you're getting zero. Yeah. So Dan goes from Ari at a canner. He gets up into the the sort of crouching tiger position on Ari, and because Ari's done all that Roman riding, he keeps cantering. So Dan, Dan doesn't have a leg either side of this horse. He's st- sitting on the saddle.
battle. Squatting is probably a better description. And he goes from Ari onto the Brumby at a canner. And all of a sudden, Ari sort of like, as you know, is pretty, he doesn't have a high threshold for for energy or exuberance. He just exercise. He just peels off and goes back to the middle and stops. <laughs> But the Brumby continues around the arena at a canter while Dan James is sitting on him, an unbroke Mustang Brumby, cantering like he's been ridden a thousand times, enough that Dan's holding on thinking this thing's going to buck and he doesn't do anything. He just keeps cantering. Dan raises his hat and he's waving to the crowd with his hat and it's going like the whole way around the arena just cantering around like we're gobsmacked. Like Dan is truly God's gift to horses (laughs) at this moment. And then it comes back to like a walk and it's walking past the chutes and Ari's in the middle of the arena and the horse sort of catches a glance at Ari and starts walking towards Ari and then all of a sudden realises that he's got a human on his back and then just bucks, just a couple of bucks and then just jumps. I'm pretty sure you even landed to your feet. What was that feeling? I landed to my feet and hung on to him. I remember Palmer at the back going, you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no accreditation for skill whatsoever. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It looked, it was so impressive to to say the least. And again, we've got video of it. I don't know if I can find it. Do you still have the video? Yeah, I actually do. Um, it's, you watch it's it every night, don't you? <laughs> you watch yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. That one moment when, when all the stars aligned for me and I felt like I had superpowers. Yeah, so you're like, oh, I just watch, you just watch that every now and again. If you're having a rough day, you just put that video on and, and cheer yourself <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, that was a good time. That was a good show. That was a really good, like, moment of us from 2009. We went back there 2010 and we put a fair bit of pressure on ourselves to do that um, that, that act, like I said, about the mechanical cow and then it moved on to to the um, Brumby catch. And then we're starting to get a bit warmer into preparing ourselves uh, to go to the States for the World Equestrian Games. But before that, James, you're going to love this, this conversation. You probably know where it's heading. We had two shows booked just before we had to leave for the States. One was Tully. Yeah, this is the worst part about this thing, as soon as you started to bring up that year, like this is the one part of that year that stuck out in my mind. Yeah. So into, so we, we're going to two big shows and have good paying shows. Tully, which for the listeners that, that aren't aware of where Tully is, we're talking about the top end of the East Coast. So nearly as far north as you can go on the East Coast. So it was a good few thousand kilometres, certainly from where we were. And then we're going to go across from there to Charters Towers to do these two shows back to back and they were paying good money. It was a bit like the Sydney Royal story of the travel money going from Perth to Sydney. This was travel money to go from Newcastle to Tully, Tully to Charters Towers, Charters Towers back to Newcastle. And then we're flying out to go to World Equestrian Games and and using a, a big chunk of that money to support ourselves over in America. And to say that things didn't go to plan would be saying it mm-hmm. lightly because Dan went and got his car, um, we're traveling up and he, he had a, a Veco Daily and a Four Horse Goose. You're not looking for any sponsorship from, from my Veco Daily, are you? Never. This it's is a very, okay, good. Big so venue. that I can, uh, yeah, you know, put a big red cross uh, <laughs> through them and, and their uh, company and their anybody that was basically involved in the office above the mechanics. Uh, you guys suck. <laughs> yeah, it was. 
So, so we had. To, so Kim doesn't obviously know this story. So this Iveco Daily didn't. There was no problems with it. Dan had it. He he bought it sort of new secondhand. It was still under warranty. Had a previous owner. Um, he had a, a, a the four horse gooseneck that we talked about from Karakara in a previous episode where he used it to jump on the back of. We decided for this show we weren't going to take all our horses up there. We're just going to do the Dan and Dan show and we're taking the two stallions up there just to lighten the load. So we're traveling together to make it easier. What do you do before you're going to go do a big trip? Go and service your car. Absolutely. So he goes and services Iveco at the Iveco dealership. We get in the truck and we start traveling up the highway. We only get a, a short ways up the road. This thing starts playing up. We've left with plenty of time to get ourselves from Newcastle to Tully, knowing that things might not go to plan sometimes. So we would have got there with a day or two up our sleeves. Like that'd be 3,000 K trip. Yeah, it's a big, be pretty close. Yeah, so it's it's a big trip. Yeah. yeah. So maybe 2,000 miles to yeah. put it into the miles. Getting around about 2,000 miles. So we we only go a short distance up the road. This thing starts playing up and Dan decides we'll stop at um, Coffs Harbour and there was an Iveco dealer there. So we we're going to go much further, but we you've thought been, we'll- You've s- been going for four hours. Well, it happened before that, but we, yeah. it was still, the car was still operating, but it was playing up. Um, or the truck, it's a truck, you can call it a car. It's a little baby truck. And um, James was like, we don't want to keep going north with this and have it turn into a bigger problem. So let's do the right thing. We'll stop at Coffs Harbour. We will stay the night and then we'll take it to the dealership in the morning. So hopefully it's a, it's a small fix. So, yep, no Simple. worries. Yep, no so we do that. We, we stop at the showgrounds at Coffs. We go into the dealership first thing in the morning and they look at this truck and they can't figure it out. It's all computer. And they put it down to a few things, but one of them was a turbo. They replaced this $6,000 turbo. And I've got a photo on the Facebook where I'm at the front of the Iveco dealership with double image eating grass because we're going to load up and go after this thing's fixed, right? And I'm taking a photo and I've written on my Facebook, I must get my iPhone, be like, oh yeah, just getting the old Iveco fixed. And then we're back on the road to Tully or something like that. And there we are. So they put they put all this gear in. It's, a, it's after lunch by the time it gets done and we're going. We get going. We wouldn't have been 40 or 60 kilometers out of Coffs Harbour. It starts happening uh, again. So then James rings up the coughs and like he's a little bit mad and ring up coughs and coughs say, look, if it's still going, just keep going. Uh, if it doesn't fix itself, they don't want anything to do with it. If it doesn't fix itself, there is a, a dealership on the Gold Coast. It's not like a, an animal. It's not going to fix itself. Yeah. So we keep going. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no mechanic, but this thing, this thing keeps playing up the whole way up to coughs, uh, up to the Gold Coast now. So we're like two days and we're only getting to the Gold Coast and we pull up there and it's late at night because we've waited all day to try to get this thing fixed. It's, it's at night. And we had a couple of contacts, which we talked about Alex Biffin on the earlier podcast. Alex Biffin was was working for Outback Spectacular and we also knew a few other people in it. By the way, Big Biffo's here Big Biffo's here at the farm right now. Oh, okay. So you've got Josh Lyons and Alex Biffin there? Yeah, it's like your Superman and Thor walking around here. <laughs> you must look tiny. <laughs> little peewee, you little vegan. I, I look like Thor's little brother. No, you don't. You're not even in the in the realm of their family. I wouldn't have. Spider Man, maybe he, he was pretty weedy. <laughs> Just don't go for Batman. Oh yeah, he's he was rubbish. <laughs> he was ripped. He's rubbish. Anyway, so we so, rubber suit, dirty bastard. So we get into um into the Gold Coast, and we're there at the Gold Coast, and the Outback Spectacular put our horses up, and then we go back, and we're going to stay with Alex Biffin. So we're getting into again about midnight. Okay, okay hold, hold on. I'm going to just interrupt here for just one second. I'm staying on the timeline. The exact moment. 
moment you talked about going to the Outback Spectacular and they put our horses up, okay? Yep. So it had been a long day to say the least because the truck didn't, the truck didn't travel very good. And at this point, um, Sears was getting pretty hungry. Do you remember this? Hangry. Yeah. So this was this was on between, I know where you're going to go. This was after we went to Outback and on the way to um, to Biff's place. Yeah. So across the road from Outback Spectacular is the Golden Arches, McDonald's and Sears is um, pretty perished. So we go across there and uh, <laughs> he asked for, was it no, uh, none of the pickles, right? No mayonnaise. It was, it was a Philado fish with no mayonnaise. I remember it. Don't ever put mayo <laughs> on my burger. <laughs> we go through and I'm driving at this point and uh, he goes through and, and opens it up and, of course, those idiots had put mayonnaise on the fish. Over. And we've already driven off, so you can't just go back and say, hey, you stuff. Yeah. still looking testy, looking at him. Right burger. Now. Well, I mean, it, it's just one of those small moments at the end of a long day where this is a, just a slight come apart. <laughs> and remember, you got to try to wind down the window. It's electric windows, yep. And the window won't work because, because they've done the electrics in it. So part of this car, truck not working was some of the electrics. And so what happened yeah. was the window would go down, but then start going up and window would go down and start going up, but only do a short <laughs> So I want to throw, I, even though I'm hungry, I'm going to throw this burger out the window. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm so mad, I'm going to ditch this burger out this window. And now this Iveco <laughs> won't let me do that. So I just flip, like Dan's putting it lightly. I flip out. I'm swearing, I'm cursing. I'm about to put my fist through the glass to smash this window so that I could throw this burger out the window. Shows my maturity. And what Dan actually, this is one of the first time for the last two days that he starts laughing. He breaks down into tears of laughter because he's like, this is the moment that gets you unglued. Like out of all the crap that we've put up with at this point, <laughs> you've stayed positive because he was mad about the whole truck incident. And I was just like, yeah, it's okay. We've got time. There was always something. We were going to get it fixed. Like just calm down. I get a bit of mayonnaise on my burger and all of a sudden- Lost your shit. The world is ending. Yeah. <laughs> The world is ending. It's over. And I knew you were going to bring that up from there, James. So I, I give you a little little segue to, to, to let that happen. But Maccas has brought you a lot of grief and it's in your days. Yeah, but I've also visited a lot. So well, exactly. Statistically, it's probably it's not too pretty bad. safe. Yeah, because it's been <laughs> One of these other moments, this is totally off topic. And Sophie, who's worked with us now for like eight years, um, she, we were traveling in the truck pier, Sophie and myself in the front of the truck. And we stopped... This was at that Heather Bray, just opposite where Heath Ryan is. We stopped there and they're going to run across and get Maccas because we're going to do this trip on the road. And Pierre knows how much I hate mayonnaise, right? James, and you know that everybody knows that's been around me how much I hate mayonnaise on burgers. So she, I get her to order me a burger. It was a chicken burger, but it had aioli. She thought, Dan can try something new. She's always wanting me to try something new, right? Dan can try something new. I'm going to let him get this. I'm going to order this burger with aioli. And if he says it's got mayonnaise, I'll say it's not mayonnaise, it's aioli. So I'm driving in the truck. They pass me my burger. I take a bite of this because I know that she, I didn't have to ask Pia what it was. I just trust that she knows. I take a bite and I get this mayonnaise and I I do the same thing, James. I flip out. But Pia's like, it doesn't have mayonnaise. And I'm like, it has mayonnaise. And now we're fighting. And like Sophie's never seen us fight. Isn't aioli just Italian for mayonnaise? It is mayonnaise. It's mayonnaise and garlic, I'm pretty sure. That's that's all they do. And so Sophie's staying quiet and I'm having a go up here about this aioli. And 
they do the same thing, James. I throw that thing out the window, but I'm driving an Isuzu and my Isuzu truck allows me to wind the window down. I ditch this thing. I'm not having it. And I would have gone for 200, maybe even 300 kilometers without breathing a word. I was that fuming. And Sophie, if we had Sophie on the podcast, she still remembers this to detail because she's like, she reckons she, if she could have crawled out of that truck at, at 100 kilometers an hour, she would have. You want to always order next time we go through Maccas because sooner or later, I'm going to get you. <laughs> You'll forget. I'm going to get you. <laughs> so get, get <laughs> sounds worth it. For two or 300 Ks, I reckon that would be, I'd just be snickering across the other side. <laughs> if I knew it was deliberate, maybe I'd take it different. But with Pia, oh, man, I I'd, I'd I'd, I'd still, it's, it's probably rates in the top three of arguments that we've had. Wow. <laughs> That's how pathetic it is. <laughs> but anyway, James, we'll get going because we took this truck and we go further. We don't get from Gold Coast to Gympie. This thing's playing up. And Dan's like, yeah. Gympie was the last stop. There's no more Iveco. At that point, there was no more Iveco dealerships on the on the. There, was one, there was one other place. We stopped before, there that, was, we? There was one other place that we did, that we did stop. It was before we got to Gympie. Yeah, you're right. So there was one more we stopped. But they, they three mechanics have a look at it. More one, two, three. Then we got to the third. This is four. Yeah, four, four, four by Gimpy. Yeah, so we go to Gimpy and we're like, we're not going further. Dan's like, we're not going. Now the time is of the essence. Uh. So we get to Gimpy, we lock down at Gimpy, and Dan's like, you fix this truck. We're not, go- or you give me a new one. Like this is this is we're not going to get up the road and get stuck. We're traveling with horses. So they start looking at it. We find somewhere to put the horses. We camp there. It's getting pretty testy now. Um, <laughs> time-wise, and we missed the first show, Tully. That's it. We've missed it. doesn't happen. They still haven't fixed this truck. They're staying at this... they, they think they would fix it, then they'd give it a test drive. I think at even one point they test drove the hell out of it and, and it never played up. And then as soon as we put the, the trailer on, it did it again. And it's had something to do with it laboring. Like as soon as it had to do a bit of work, it would sort of get faulty. And they were calling up Italy and they were staying there all night and they were on the phone to Italy and Italy was into the computer and the, the big Iveco where obviously they make them was tuning into Dan's car or truck, keep calling it a car, but it was only small. And they would tune into it and they couldn't fix this thing. And they had, it was, a, um, again, a dealership and they had Lucky some- they didn't put aioli in it. <laughs> oh, at that point- <laughs> That would have both, busted your hump. Oh, actually, Dan's going to tell a story here. You remember, we only talked about this last time you were visiting. So- Yeah. One of the- I know, I know exactly. Well, I got I to gotta say, though, that the guys there at Gympie, oh. they they were good. Like, that. Those two of those guys, I mean, they stayed there until like 10, 12 o'clock at night that first night trying to fix that thing. Yeah, no, they did. That dealership there at Gympie. Those boys were good. They were- trying to get the job done. They weren't going to just send it up the road to the next one and, no. and let, hope that it would fix itself. Don't, don't try and backtrack now. You told me they sucked before. Yeah. But, <laughs> so for those, they so, did. So, the, so, the, so at this point, Dan and I aren't really, we're both a bit bit testy and we're not really talking much, you know, socially. And we get in the car and we go to a service station to, because um, it still will drive, like it will drive. And so we're in the same one and we go to the service station, get a feed and we're going back where we're camping with the horses. We get a feed. We hardly probably said a few words to each other. We get into the truck, say we're all quiet again, and um, we drive a short distance. We're still in the car park. We run over a pothole and Dan was chewing on a toothpick and he swallows <laughs> the toothpick. Now, I don't know this. Dan just stops. Yeah, but initially it's stuck in my throat. It is stuck in your throat, but you do, I don't even know you've got a toothpick and you just stop the vehicle yeah. in silence. And I'm like, what's going on? What, what's wrong? What's happening? What's happening? And he's just saying nothing, staring at the steering wheel, like looking possessed, frightened. 
God knows what. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can see it. Like while I'm re- while I'm saying this, James, I'm looking at your face in that car. I am seeing it that clear. It was fear. It was fear. It was terror. I was so frightened for myself. It was sideways in his throat and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to move. He needs to breathe. And eventually he swallows the toothpick. Swallowed it? Yeah. Where's it going? What are you going to do, Kim? Oh, I'd extract it. Mate. How, mate? Oh, come on. I've pulled plenty You're out of dogs. I'll give you the tip. You're a vet. What are you doing with a human that's got one down his throat? Throw him down and grab it out of the back How of his gullet. It's- a decent friend would have got it out. <laughs> At this point, I don't know what he's got. I don't know what he's got because he's not talking. Dogs don't talk. <laughs> but the owner brings them into you and tells you what's going on. So anyway, he swallows this toothpick and then he starts talking and tells me what it is and then he doesn't know, well, should I go to a doctor? Should I do something? So you know what he does? Swallows four bits of uh, lamb with a few bits of onion and no, makes no, a kebab. We've already... <laughs> Yeah. Good on your special comments. <laughs> Spits it up as a kebab. Good on you. Throws it up as a kebab. I'd be more worried about the ensuing 24 to 36 hours. He rings. <laughs> he, he gets me to ring Pia, the vet. Well, of course. And sees what she thinks we should do. <laughs> She's like, um, well, if it's swallowed now, it might have scratched him a little bit. And I guess it might scratch him on the way out, but it's not much, <laughs> not much more that we can do about it. How was that thing coming out? Well, that's the thing. I was so scared for the next like two days that- like this could be the moment. This could be the moment, and it never happened. Like it never had a trouble. Just broke down inside there somewhere. Maybe yeah, like chewing gum rotted away in your stomach. That's a potential. So it was, but I didn't sleep that night. I was so nervous about. It. I'm like, it's going to pierce something inside of me, and I'm going to not only we're going to broken down here, I'm going to die on the side of the road. So, so then, so then we're having this. This is the trip of a lifetime. So then that happens. We miss out on Tully. We, we. I think that's a considerably lucky moment that it that it didn't pierce your guts. And, oh, absolutely. Yes. Like, you can consider that next twenty four to thirty six hours. That was the that was the br- yeah. shining light of the well, Tully Charters tra- Towers trip. Well, we didn't see it at that point. We saw it as we're losing <laughs> no. we're losing income, and this is income that we you are need, relying on yeah. to to support ourselves in the states for a long period of time without income, and so. We were like to tell them this gimpy mob, we're not going to miss Charter's Towers. Like, and, and they had um, a couple of demo trucks, and one of them was a big cattle truck. It was a big hino, I'm pretty sure, and a big rigid cattle. And I had the crate built for it, and they were selling it new, but they'd already built this thing up, and it's there in the lot. And we're like, give us that. And we started on them on day one. Like, give us that. You keep the Iveco. You fix that while we go to these shows. Eventually, we get them talked into it. They give us this brand new hino cattle truck, and we drive up to Charter's, and that thing was rough because it was a huge rigid truck with only two little horses on there. Yeah. It's designed to have some serious weight and we're travelling yeah. on those outback Queensland <laughs> roads and we had all this gear with us and it just smashed everything that it could. Like we had electronical gear, all this stuff just vibrated because we it didn't have a rubber floor or anything because it was designed for cattle. So we threw in sawdust and we're wetting that down but it's blowing out the side. It's horrendous and we've still got two days of travelling to get from Gympie to Charters. We get in the Charters and we do the Charters Towers show. And funnily enough, with Charters Towers, again, you got it, James? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. This is where we meet the Crack Up Sisters. That's exactly what we're going to lead into because we meet the Crack Up Sisters there for the first time and we have a hell of a time. And that was almost like the shining light. Jake was there as well. He came out and helped us out. Jake Webster, who both Dan and I are um, very fond of, nice young fella that, um, well, now he's a station owner, went from helping Dan James muck out yards as an ag student coming from the city to retire 
time. He was a ringer um, up there in in not too far from Charters Towers in 2010. To now, he's a station owner. So this kid's yeah, wow. this kid's the real deal. And um, and he came and helped us out. And I, at that point, I don't think James and I were really talking to each other too much because his trip's just <laughs> terrible. But we got the crack up sisters. They're making us feel good. We've we've got Jake up there. Everything's happening. We get we do the show. That part's fine. Now we, we we're under pump to get back because we've got flights out of Newcastle to go to the States to go for WEG. So we start driving back in this truck and it's, and the, and the crack up sisters were convoying together because they're heading back to Brisbane as well. So we start traveling back and normally we would have left the next day, like the show must have finished on Sunday, but we decide we'll get on the road Sunday night. We'll get down the ways and then by Monday, we're going to be in Gympie. That was the idea. So we get going and it's night. Good going. Good going. And nighttime we're traveling and that rough old road, all of a sudden this truck just depowers. Uh-huh. You remember this, James? Oh, mate, like it was like last night. So oh, it just, it's, it's a- Middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I can't drive this truck. Like Dan's got his, like he's, he's, yeah. he's got a road train license and I've only got a medium rigid and this is a heavy rigid, so I can't help him or anything. This thing just shuts down and it won't let us go much more than 2,000 RPM. So we end up getting on the phone at, on a Sunday night to the, once we got service and the Crack Up Sisters stopped. They're like, we're not going to leave you stranded here. We're like, just keep going. Don't worry about us. And we can't unload these horses without a cattle ramp. So they're on the truck. And um, anyway, they we get onto the gimpy and, and they start trying to figure out what's gone wrong. And what they've decided is with that rough road that it's um, cracked this sensor and it's the sensor that is, governs the truck for speed and it, and it believes it's been tampered with. So imagine if you bought this truck for those that are listening and it stops you at 100 kilometers an hour and then you just decide I'm going to go in there and cut this sensor and, and go as fast as I want to go. If it believes it's been tampered with, it stops the vehicle going past 2000 RPM. So they say, look, you can, st-, and we we're at this little town when we got phone service. They said, you can stay there and we will freight a part up. But by the time they freight it up, we're going to lose two days again. Uh, well, you can drive it back at 60 kilometers an hour, terrific. two days. Yeah. So- and every time that you hit a bump and your foot like over accelerated, like and you pressed it too hard because you'd hit the roads were rougher than. And it had died. I mean, yeah. And, and it would die. Like, you had to keep it just back so off. <laughs> so, which would be, would this be, that would be, would that be 40 miles an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Doing my math. Yeah. 40, yeah. 40, 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're sitting back trying to travel, like I said, a couple of thousand kilometers, doing 40, 60 kilometers an hour. And uh, and the crack up sisters stayed the whole way and we we're texting them and the, um, and they had a two way and they were the only ones keeping us going. I mean, those girls, I like, shout out. Those, shout out to those girls and they they took it. They came all the way to Gympie and then we obviously handed over the vehicles. Now they weren't hundred percent convinced that this Iveco was fixed, but it wasn't playing up, and and so then we had to get on the road. But all, all of a sudden, our flights have all changed. So we changed Dan's flight. So his flight was supposed to be out of Sydney or Newcastle, and we changed it to Brisbane. But then I was going to take the horses all the way home. So Dan was going to get a head start in America and start getting onto these horses that we were training for the opening ceremony of the World Equestrian Games and getting them up to speed. And I had to take the vehicle. The Iveco dealership was so worried that this vehicle was going to still break down that they followed us all the way to Brisbane Airport from Gympie just in case this thing gave us any trouble. Wow. They just wanted to see us out of their district. And we went there. I dropped Dan off. There's, hold on. There's, there's one There's one part in here that you're missing. What? So 
and I'm pretty sure this happened on the way up. Yeah. Remember that I get a call from the airline and they said, um, we're not going to be able to get you, you know, on, on your ticket because your passport's expired. <laughs> Do you remember this part? No. So, yeah, it was when we were broken down at the third... <laughs> At the third dealership. That's when it happened. Yeah, because it was before we got to Gimpy. We're at the third dealership, and we're sitting there. I get this call, and they said, "Yeah, we can't let you. Um, we're not going to be able to let you go with your current passport because it's expired." And I'm like, "What do you mean it's expired? It expires like in you know whatever the expiration date was." Yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, but it, it, they said it expires six months before the expiration date in your passport." Yeah, you have to. Be, I'm like, yeah. "What kind of system is that?" Yeah, I'm with you. So What's remember, I had, had, I had to go. I had to get a have right because oh, it was yeah it was the expiration date and the um uh and the photo I remember the photo was no good so I could see my teeth because I accidentally smiled but it had been approved by the other post office and I had to get that cab to another post office go in get retake a photo and then express post it this is all while you were waiting at the dealership while we were broken down with the Ibeco oh, do you remember that part I can imagine you ringing the cab going look I don't care what it is but if you send an Ibeco to pick me up, <laughs> I'll come around there and insert a large turbo in your rear end. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I, I've forgotten about that. I was more concerned about the mayonnaise in my burger, to be, to be honest. <laughs> Can you um, imagine how patient you two would have been coming back at 60Ks an hour in the middle of the night? Oh, it was the trip, like I said, just to pay that pasty as all hell. We just didn't want to be there anymore. It was, the worst, the, the, it was just the worst trip, but it, life is about experiences. So I, I, it was a hell of an experience. But anyway, we, we eventually, we get there to the to the airport. We get him dropped off. Then I ended up taking the horses home. My flight was, we, we postponed my flight for a couple of days. So I got back to home. With a couple of days up my sleeve, even the gimpy were like, "Trade this truck in. Like, as soon as you get an opportunity, get out of this thing. It's a lemon." And uh, and we we go over to the states, and that's sort of, I guess, where it starts. You know, for us, the next episode we're going to kick into being in America. And for me, it was my first trip to the states. So you know, we already talked about Dan being over there, the old dot com story. He'd already done a couple more trips. It was my first, and I got there, and all I remember was I've stepped out into a movie as soon as I saw a big yellow bus, yeah. you know, the buses like they have at school. Yeah, crackers. I'm just like, I'm in a movie, let alone when I started seeing bars and things like that. And and what it leads me to remember before we wrap this episode up is like, we talked a little bit about the money, but we had to fundraise to get us there. Do you remember that, Dan? We went to Apollo Bay. You remember that show it, we did at Apollo in a clinic? It's so weird you say that because I was remembering, um, I remember I bought back our first double band jacket. You had, I've got you one and oh, me one. Still got it, brother. <laughs> it the only thing that, that, that those people wanted to buy was our freaking jackets. The one thing that we didn't want to part with. Yeah, we went down to Apollo Bay and we had some stuff like posters and things to sell and everyone's trying to buy our jackets um, that we're actually literally wearing. And we're like, no, we like these and we need this. But but we were we were doing everything. And Apollo Bay from where we were, that was a big drive in itself. That was two, two days basically to the south because we're in New Castle, you know where Apollo Bay is? Yeah. Yeah. It was and that's windy, yeah. bloody, what do they call that? Great Ocean Road. It's 
yeah. Great Ocean Road down there. And we went down there to do a show and a clinic because in 2010, we just start doing clinics as well. We haven't gotten into that part of things. 2009 was just shows. 2010, the clinic stuff starts happening as well as the shows. So we're having a pretty busy year and, and we're taking this money and we don't know how much money we're going to need. You know, as much as we weren't working in the States, you had plenty of expenses. Like there was a lot of expenses in being away from home and and not a, and obviously cutting horses around, et cetera, et cetera. And if it wasn't for the sponsors that we we landed in the States as well with that feed bin. Do you remember what that feed bin was, James? Uh, the prevent feeder. Oh, you could because I couldn't remember that. The prevent feeder about horses like gorging themselves and there's a bunch of different things. It was a good feeder. And then they started sponsoring us once we got to the States and there's going to be so many stories. That's why we're not going to cover it in this episode because when we get to the States, it just it's huge, let alone the back end of 2010. Um, um, which I mentioned in our intro is big as well. So we're going to we're going to wrap this up where we're at now and then next episode we're going to get stuck back into it. So from here boys, I think we're going to call it quits. What do you reckon Kim? Mate, no, I'm I'm still I'm living the dream and just in, intrigued where we're going here now. I don't know. Well, if there's I oh, you you know what? You told me that you were going to ask a question about like um, picking like the, you know, what you thought would be the Michael Jordan of equestrian sports. And I've done a lot of thinking about that and you uh, didn't even bring it up. Well, because you you told me that you didn't want to watch the Michael Jordan. Have you? Okay. All right. We can have a look at this. I'll go back and explain it before we finish this episode. So the Tiger King, the first episode we talked about the Tiger King, people loved it. And I'm like, well, how do we follow up from the Tiger King? So exotic. We did the quiz. This time I asked you about the superhero. I'm trying to think of something new, but the, when I was on the phone to Dan um, at some point, I said to Dan, I said, there's this new um, documentary on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in that era. And I love my basketball, but my brother was bigger into it. And also I was only, I was pretty young when all that was happening. So a lot of it, I sort of remember on some level. And, and when you go back through Michael Jordan, he was the biggest athlete in the world. And he's certainly one of the richest. And when you go over it, it's not like he just dominated, you know, his team, his his era, but he, like I just said, he was the biggest sports star. So I said to Dan, who would be the Michael Jordan of the equestrian world? So I'm talking any discipline in any era. It's That's a massive question. So yeah. any discipline of any era, and obviously Dan's been thinking about this because I don't have one. Who have you got, James? Well, you know, it's hard to like, you know, put it together. Like, you know, how do you how do you round up like all the different, you know, horsemen and women and stuff like that? And I know that when you look at swimming, they often like look at swimming and, you know, like Michael Phelps and that, how many gold medals and stuff that he won when he was swimming and during his career in that one particular Olympics. And the only person that well not the only, but the, the main person that that comes to my mind when you when you kind of try to wrap it up like that is um the, the Kiwi eventer who rode, uh, I'm going to tell you his name in a, in a minute. Um, so at one Olympic Games, he rode in the show jumping and on the eventing team at the same Olympic Games. And I don't know any other equestrian that has done that. Okay. To ride in two different disciplines at a, at Olympic level is Mark Todd. Oh, of course, Sir Mark Todd. Yeah. The legend. So there's a good one for you. And that's right. Like I was trying to think about it when I asked you about where you could go with this because, you know, in each discipline, 
discipline, you could mm. probably you could probably pull one up. You know, it's hard to say, but in the raining, you can sort of go and sort of pull somebody out of the hat and in the cutting and the things that we're that certainly I'm a bit more aware of. I'm not not so crossed over with some of the English stuff and even the dressage. You could probably go and pick one out. Um, but when you're talking about like what, the whole equestrian, like who's who's number one? That's a good one. Sir Mark Todd mm. is is a big one. That's that, that's pretty huge. You know, the one that came to my mind, but more for just dominating a sport was Boyd Excel. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, that's a good next goal. level. He's uh, that was the only one that sort of came to me was like Boyd is just like they just can't touch him. You know, like every other guys, they probably you know people get close or whatever. But I remember watching him at, at the um, Tamworth um, at the ALEC at Tamworth, and they had him as a draw card, obviously, and they had all the other there were international competitors there and uh, in a driving competition and there were uh, all the best of Australia and he just came out and made them look amateur. So the, he was next level. The best story that we have from this was going to um, Sydney Equitana when they had the back in they had the Sydney Equitana when you, I think you met yep, us. Yep. I'm going to agree to that. They had an expedition uh, venting and uh, I, uh, yes, it's venting, but they had a jump and drive, I should say, as well. And Dan and I just performed and I had old Bobby out there in the show jump arena and Bobby's doing some jumps and Anyway, um, Boyd comes over to us and says, I need an extra person. He's, he, he was borrowing a couple of Cleveland Bays and Chris Chug was jumping. So that was his jumper. And then Boyd was doing the driving. But he said, I need one more person to help slow these horses down a little bit. I need a little bit extra weight. A he brakeman. Said, yeah. But but also um, Chuggy was the brakeman as well. Oh, okay. So they wanted two. Yeah, well. And he said, I can take one of you. And Dan and I both looking at each other, both wanting to do this. And we're like, <laughs> who's going to go and we're like almost rock, paper, scissoring it as we're trying to decide who wants it more without being rude and just saying, I'm going, I'm going. We're just both like going, oh, okay, how do we do this? He takes, he's warming his horse up. He takes another lap and he comes past. He says, actually, these guys could do with a fair bit of slowing down. I'll take both of this. Yeah, nice. So I go and sit next to him wow. up the up the top. Um, James is the brakeman with, with Chuggy. So, so they're both, doing the monkey. They're both leaning out. Off it. They're both leaning out the side. Chug, Chris Chug has just jumped. He's cleared good time. I'm sitting at number one and we get in these Cleveland Bays and it was so exciting to be in that, that pair and he's sooling them. I mean, he's upping them <laughs> and we get a few faults because he's just giving it to them. So we end up with Chug doing so well and us not doing so good. We still come second. And after we're doing we're doing the um, victory lap, he's doing the, and he's doing this precision driving with, with the guy that won. He's like, you go now, you go now. And they're crossing and they're zigzagging each other. And it was just like, this was wild. Wow. And I'm sitting next to him. Dan's laughing at the back. Hey, Boyd tells me to get up and try Roman riding on these horses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I try to climb up on him half ass because I'm not going to say no to Boyd, but I don't want to get up there. <laughs> so I actually pretend I'm trying with, oh, I've got the wrong boots on. I'm slipping a little here, you know, oh, they're spooking a bit. And I don't get up on them, but at least attempt it. And and do you remember how much fun that was, James? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, and this definitely was, a highlight. Like he was already good, but I mean, he's just dominated oh. more from then because that would be like unbelievable. Like 12, 2012, something like that, 11 or 13. It would have been either 11 or 13 because they were the odd numbers. So it was either 2011 or 2013. But, I mean, he's still just setting records, And but it, it is for that one discipline. But Michael Jordan obviously only just played. Oh, he pretended to play baseball for a little while. He got so you're rating Michael Jordan as well because he was the highest paid. No, no, no. When you look at this documentary, go back and watch it on Netflix.
Netflix. He was the biggest athlete in the world yeah, yeah, yeah. for a decade. Okay. The biggest one. So but that's, that's you, you know, can't, coming from a Western and a, an American point of view, and obviously our culture is heavily influenced by America. But no, but this was around the world. They show you the stuff of him going to Europe and places like that, and he was God. He sold out arenas based on the fact it was Michael Jordan. When he started with even Chicago, they Chicago was, wasn't even getting a crowd there to the point but that- It doesn't mean he was the best. But it's- um, It heavily implies. But it doesn't mean he was, it doesn't mean he was the best. What I mean not, is you can have a smaller You guys sport. should have another run and, and continue to debate this. <laughs> no, I'm not even talking about that, Kim. I'm Sounds talking about like influ- influential. Like, yeah. I'm just saying he paved the way even for like, he, most of his money came from that's what from I'm saying. Nike. Does the influential in, in the horse world- Yeah, give me that. Give me who you- Who's, who's the most your, influential? Who's your Michael Jordan? I'd have to think about it. I need a week oh, to think See, he wants to go and criticise me, James, about the fact that I've just said Michael Jordan's the greatest sports person in the world. And, I, yeah. and I'll go all time. I'm bugger you. I'll go all time, right? Not. Just, I was talking about his era, but I'll talk, I'll go all time after watching this There's, a, there's a good Australian that um, hard to beat, Who? Heather Mackay. Well, that's what I'm saying. You don't know her. She's a squash player. <laughs> oh, God. No, she played uh, She played from, I think it was about 1960 to 1981. Yep. She lost two matches in that time. <laughs> she... All right, Dan. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah. wrap you, up. You were listening. That's going to wrap up episode <laughs> five. Thank you guys for listening. Steers is keen to go and research Heather Mackay. We're, we're going to <laughs> following on from this episode. We're going to get. We're going to continue back to the World Equestrian Games 2010. This could turn into a three part episode. It's that big. Big as Heather Mackay. Yeah, it could be bigger. <laughs> it's not Michael Jordan big, but it could be but Heather exactly. Mackay big. All right. So, because you got to think about this, James. How many stories have we got from that time? in the States. The only thing we don't have is any exciting stories from Dan James because he was not drinking at that point. He, he had a sabbatical. That's true. In 2010. So, yeah. In 2010, he had a sabbatical and his stories- Yeah, it's a long year. His, his stories become pretty boring and mine become pretty exciting. I'll tell you some Vegas stories. Yeah. We've got <laughs> we've got, we've got got getting pulled over by the police stories. We've got Walmart. Do we want to get into Walmart or not? I, I don't know. That's a, that's, a, that's a tricky one. Because I was talking on the phone to Warwick Schiller this week and Warwick said you won't tell because he, he likes a podcast he's like you won't tell the Walmart story and I'm like well I, th- I think we're oversharing we've got to tell it like there's already Absolutely. been some st- stories that we've overshared that um, that incriminate both of us and, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to be happy well, to tell that story or have you tell it yeah I, I think that um, well, let's, let's give let's give it some thought we should actually you should ask the listeners if you know you know where it would what do they think <laughs> like, I think they're going to think it's out there now thing. it's not like it's we're like, going to go well we don't want to hear this awesome story that even Sheila said, yeah, wait till that. <laughs> of course we're yeah. going to hear it. But I think though, I think the question for the listeners would be this. It would be how far would you go to incriminate yourself on some <laughs> of the things that you guys have done? Publicly. And share that publicly. Yeah, illegal activity. Uh, Just to give you a tip. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Com. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> loving the dot com, by the way. Well, Dottie. Yeah. Oh, Dottie, that story I think has been rated as the most favourite story from all the episodes so far. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, James, thank you for joining us. It's obviously must be close to, oh, it's after 7.30 there, I believe. Yeah, it's quarter past eight now. Quarter past eight. Thank you for tuning in. Go yeah, and, you can, and listen, you can imagine what it was like. I mean, I didn't get to bed until like one o'clock or so this morning because you know what happens when Josh Lyons comes along and you got Biffo there and the game starts. So, yes, it was a... 
early morning this morning to get up to join you boys. So obviously in your COVID lockdown, you guys are allowed to travel around. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, they and all, a lot of the states are starting to lift things. I mean, it, it's confusing to know which ones you can and can't. Like Tennessee lifted theirs like weeks ago. Yeah, right. We're only just starting to think about the Prime Minister came out and, and said this is going to be the first but then he also said the first stage of three stages but he also said it's still going to be up to the premiers of each state and so each premier hasn't really come out and said when they're going to lift things particularly in New South Wales, Victoria and, and Queensland um, and WA actually but I think South Australia, Northern Territory that took, they already started to lift their deal a fair bit but but anyway, we, we have to say goodbye. Thank you guys for listening. Please remember, share the podcast, review the podcast, rate the podcast. We want to get this out to as many listeners as possible. Thank you, James, for your time. I, I feel like I have to say thank you to Kim, but all special comments out there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Yeah, no, that, that made it, having, having, having Kim there today. That was, that was some good stuff. All right. Goodbye, guys. See you, mate. See ya. Thank you for tuning into episode five. Remember, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please share on your socials, rate, review, and subscribe.